And I was selling sulcatas left and right, captive bred, 55 bucks a piece, whatever. But in the end, a $55 tortoise is a disposable animal to 90% of people that buy them. They don't protect that investment. We have to put value on these animals. Florida's full of iguanas. People probably want to argue it all day long. It's a value thing. You can go to Pet Show, Petco, PetSmart, iguanas are on sale for $14.99. Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. Welcome to From the Ground Up Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here. We're going to have an awesome show today, but first I want to talk a little bit about PortCityPythons.com, where we have some animals available, and I need to turn off the AC unit because I forgot to turn it off. But Melissa Melissa won't be here with us. She is sick, so therefore I am going to be the lonely host today. But we do have some animals available. I just put up a snow tessera, an anery tessera, a sulfur. Some of that other stuff is coming out. I have honey stuff that is ready to go that I should put up soon. Other than that, also, we have springtails, sphagnum moss, all the regular stuff on porcitypythons.com, as well as shirts. Also, YouTube, all that good stuff. Check me out. And that is pretty much it. So today's guest Works with just a myriad of snakes, a lot of colubrids. He's over there in the Pacific Northwest. His name is Shane Woodridge of Evergreen State Reptiles. So, Shane, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So let's get into a little bit of how you got into reptiles. I would say, I mean, I, I actually believe, like, I think I read something somewhere they were talking about, it's like in your DNA. Like, there's, like, you know, something about you. It's just the way you are. So, I mean, I can remember being three years old, four years old, catching garter snakes and alligator lizards and always looking for the rubber boa. I never found one until a few years ago. It took a long time. But um, I would say my uncles and my dad, they used to, they used to like, play a game where they'd go into the woods with buckets and fill them with frogs and lizards and everything was worth certain points and stuff. And they'd add it up and they used to tell me about that. And they'd take me catching snakes. And I spent a lot of time in the woods growing up. There's some big toads up on the mountains up here. They used to be down in the valley, but they kind of disappeared. Big old Pacific Northwestern toads used to chase those around a lot. And I mean, it wasn't long before, you know, had my first box turtle at like four. I had a Schneider skink at like eight. It was a really cool lizard. It was an import. He didn't last very long, but I tried my best with him. He was a cool little guy. So, yeah, it's so all family, did you, though. Did you have that point where, like, high school or something, you kind of got out of it and did the cool kids stuff and then eventually came back to it? No, actually, you know, I uh, in high school, I mean, I wrestled and played football, and I was always hanging out with the homies and the chicks and whatever, but I always – I never hid that passion. So I'm kind of outgoing anyway, and I always had snakes and and lizards or whatever, and and I mean people knew that, you know. And actually, the the school paper did an article about me with some of my pets and took a picture at one point. And uh, but I was like the captain of the wrestling team and and all that stuff, you know. I I, I didn't ever hide that passion. I always felt pretty strong about it. And uh, 
yeah, I definitely just rolled with it for since I was little, little, really little. Right on. And you're a big dude, man. Like you said, you, you played college football, right? You were talking about before. Yeah. Yeah. I played some college ball. So, uh, and actually that's all I did in college is I had a little pickup S10 and we'd go practice. I mean, we wake up at 6 a.m., go to a study hall, throw the jitchu in and then uh, hit the classes and go to lunch, finish classes, go play football. And as soon as practice was over at six o'clock, this was in Quincy, California. It's a Feather River College is where I went. It's like 45 minutes from Reno and it's like 6,000 feet elevation. It's way up there. We'd head up straight to this place called Four Corners and climb the rocks and start pulling rattlesnakes every single day. 12 pack of beer, fill the S10 bed up with rattlesnakes, let them go, take pictures, whatever. I had a lot of fun every day. That's it awesome. It was hard man. to leave there. It was hard to leave there. Is that something to where uh, did you have just as much of a draw towards, you know, finding snakes in the wild as you did to captive keeping? I think I liked it more at one point. Like when my parents came to visit, I would take them up there to the spots and show them and stuff, you know. And uh, I only had, it's funny because I think like all my friends now in the reptile business, all the people I've become friends with, and they're great friends, man. I got my best friends met them online and you know and then you go spend time with them or whatever we talk about that a little bit more later but what i was gonna say is i only had one homie growing up that liked reptiles out of all my friends and we were like engulfed in it together you know but all these other guys down in socal they have 10 15 friends like that had reptiles or would go herping or whatever and i didn't have it i had myself my brother and one friend and that was it the hobby wasn't that big here but it's definitely large now yeah, isn't that what's crazy? Like, I always wished um, all the things that I was into, you know, I, I grew up in a small town and, you know, the Internet wasn't exactly as small as it is now, you know, when I was growing up or as uh, inclusive as it is now. And you weren't able to get in touch to, uh, you know, with as many people as, po as possible. Sure. There's no social media, all that good stuff. So, like, I didn't have anyone to talk about this stuff with or, you know, do it with. Yeah, neither did I. I mean, just the one guy. And then my uncles, and they gave me a lot of attention when I was a kid. You know, my, a couple of my uncles, my Uncle Dale, my Uncle Brandon, and they would always take me catching alligator lizards. That was like the main thing. I love those little guys. And, uh, you know, garter snakes were everywhere, so it didn't take long before I gave them no attention. I was looking for the rubber boa and the alligator lizards. Different so salamander how, species. How did you end up finding the, the uh, rubber boa? Actually, so I, when I was 17, there was a guy in school, and he always asked me where he'd go catch snakes. And he wasn't my friend. He's kind of a different cat. So I told him behind the Safeway, they're getting ready to demolish it. I bet you there'd be – I saw a deer back there, and this is like in the middle of town. I was like, I bet you there's some boards and stuff laying back there, and might be a good place to look for snakes. And he had never even found a rubber boat, didn't know what it was. And I told him to go there, and right where he parked, right, right where you parked, there was a board – he flipped it and pulled two rubber boas and he brought them to school on Monday. Dude, I was so pissed off. I still remember it to this day. That was 17 years ago. I was 17 at the time. I'm 34. And I still didn't find one until probably like five years ago when I really started looking and knowing how to like look based on the geographic location of things. And, and I found, I don't know, there's a picture on my Instagram. I think it's the first picture if you look at it. I flipped a board. It had two or three rubber boas. They're all different colors. Like one's yellow, one's brown. And there was an alligator lizard and like 14 or 15 garter snakes. 
Wow. But the alligator lizards shot out, but I got a picture of, you know, it was cool. That was my first time. And then that day, I probably ended up finding five or six. So. Dude, I mean, at least, I mean, you didn't, you didn't get to just go to a parking lot and flip a board, but at least when you found them, there was multiple. And then all those garter snakes and alligator lizards, that's awesome. Yeah, it was a cool scene. Like I said, that picture is the, I think it's the first one on my Instagram, way down at the bottom. That, I mean, I sent that uh, to a bunch of people like Jerry Hartley. You know, he's got the um, Colubrid page. That's all about, uh, I'll say local or whatever, purebred locality. And everybody in there was digging it. That was pretty cool. So, yeah, that's what's awesome about uh, all the different groups is that, you know, I could post that rubber boa thing up in positive pythons and it would get like two likes, or you could post it up, you know, in that group and everyone could go crazy about it. Yeah, there's a big write up in the paper this last week. They found one at a local park and people don't know what they are because they're so elusive, you know, like, and uh, it was hit the paper front page, you know, what is this invasive snake? And they're like, no, it's not invasive. It's been here forever. And everybody's like, is it dangerous? You know, it's like the least dangerous thing you could ever imagine. Yeah. It's an amazing creature, man. You can literally just pick them up and kind of move them to the side. It's, it's, they're cool. They're really, they just, do they just kind of ball up? They don't even do that. They just, they almost seem like they're lifeless. You know, you can kind of <laughs> pick them up. It's kind of wild. If there's a hole next to them and you turn a board, they'll like slowly get in the hole, but you know, whatever road and hole they're hanging out in. But if they're just like crossing the road, it's just like a salamander crossing the road. It just barely moves, just takes its time. So, so I didn't know that. Um, well, I guess I haven't really paid attention, but rubber boas range all the way up to Oregon. Well, I'm in Washington, so I mean, oh, wow. I'm, two, I'm two minutes from the Columbia River, which is Portland on the other side. We don't go over there. We don't go there. <laughs> um, excuse me. Um, yeah, they're, they're, I think the biggest population is in Washington State. And then there's quite a few in Idaho. And when I was down in California, I never found one. But I know they're down there, of course. But Oregon on the coast has a ton. And Washington, southwest Washington, where I'm at, up in the woods, there's quite a few. So... Now, I know that they're illegal to keep in California, but are they illegal in Washington or Oregon? Do you know? You know, I don't really know. I've looked online and it doesn't really have information. I wouldn't keep them anyway. I, I don't even like touching them. In fact, I don't think I've ever touched one of the ones I've found. I think I was just taking pictures. But I don't think they're illegal. They probably could be. I know people keep them and they show up on forums once in a while. Look what I found. It's in a 10-gallon tank with aspen bedding. You know, like, oh, God. You know, they don't need heat. They need a lot of humidity and they need soil and whatever. So, yeah. And it seems like the the people who do keep them in captive environments, it seems like they're a little bit of a handful as far as getting the feed and the temperature and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. My buddy had one, that one guy when, uh, that I was talking about, I grew up with, he had one, he caught it at the airport in town. They would pile up the grass when they clip it. And he was jumping around in it and he was like 15 years old, 12 years old, whatever, and found one. He took it home and he was being funny and he threw a marshmallow in there and it ate the marshmallow. What? <laughs> he had a picture on a Polaroid of this rubber bow eating a marshmallow. It was trippy. <laughs> and it so, uh, he ended up letting it go like a year later, putting it back where he found it. But That's crazy because, I mean, I have a couple of friends who have them and they're like, oh, my God, I wish I could get this male to eat ever. And there they are, yeah. all the marshmallows. So, 
<laughs> I'm not kidding you. Maybe I know one trick people right. people do is they wrap them around their finger really tight, and then they try to feed them a pinky, and they usually they usually take it like the babies. That's what I've heard, but I, like I said, I've never messed with them. I don't think so, you can really uh, keep them at the right temps. So what do you mess with now? Uh, now that obviously you're out of college football, and I mean you got a family and everything yeah. like that, and you got a crazy collection. Um, what is your collection like? Man, it's kind of like it's topped out. I can't have anything more for the space I have it in. So, you know, that, that's something we got to look for in the future. But um, I really love colubrids, much like yourself. That's where it's at for me. I love uh, a couple of lizard species like lacertas and colored lizards. I bred lacertas this year, and that was pretty cool. I was stoked about that. I have some tegus on breeder loan with a few different people. But, um, as far as the snakes go, I've got some boas. I've got all the colubrids and I got cow kings, locality stuff. I've got Florida kings. I've got the Kunashir rats. I've got uh, the knobs. I've got gray banded. I've got a ton of hog nose. I probably have 30 or 40 adult hog nose. Damn. And uh, I got tons of raise up stuff. I probably have 12 female high white cow kings I'm raising up from last year. They're already probably, I don't know, 24 to 30 inches are getting big. They get big pretty quick. And I got a bunch of hognos I'm still raising up. And uh, what else is there? I'm raising some mustarana. I've got a bunch of bull snakes. Next year should be a big year on the bull snakes. And then I got some false water cobras I'm working with. They'll be there next year. So everything I have this year, We'll hopefully be there again. Plus, we'll add the bulls and the false waters and maybe 10 or 15 more adult colubrids. So, yeah, I mean, just I mean, looking at your Instagram, I'm like, I didn't even know you had all these things, and here they are popping out of eggs. So, it's like, yeah, it's and it's crazy the, the variety of it. But let's, I guess, rewind a little bit. Um, Evergreen State Reptiles, when did you first uh, kind of start your business per se, like the business side of it? Well, I mean, so. <clears throat> I was breeding rosy boas back in like 07. I really had a thing for rosy boas. I, I think they're great pets. They're perfect size. They're easy to care for. So much variety. And uh, that's where I met my best friend, my brother, like Mike Roscoe, Roscoe's Reptiles. He owns the reptile shop in Temecula, California. We did a deal. It was back in 07. Deal was done. Didn't hear from him or whatever. And I went to go sell a few of those snakes. So he messaged me and We've just been best friends ever since. I fly down to SoCal and do shows. Him and his family come up here and visit, stay, and and we're. I mean, we talk five times a day. You know, I couldn't have got where I've gotten without that little bit of leadership I've gotten from him and a few animals here and there. And we go back and forth. Got a. He's got a couple breeding projects here with me, and I've been kicking him. Just a few animals, nothing, nothing to make it look super valuable for him. But it's just a family thing. So, but um. I wandered off your question. How'd I got started? So I sold all those rosy boas to buy put down payment on the house. No shit. A snake. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I had probably like 30 adults. So it was a good chunk of change. And uh, I didn't have any snakes for probably like five or six years. I coached high school wrestling and football. I was working 50 hours a week, getting after it, started having kids and this, that, and the other. And then life kind of started slowing down because I'm at home with the kids, not coaching as much, and uh, had a change in jobs. Got a few things here or there, kind of trying to find a good 
footing in it, right? Like I didn't think I wanted to be a breeder or a hot, like a, a, a company owner. But like I said, I, I was breeding the rosies and they're so easy. And it was kind of more of like a, a hobby breeding. It was like, oh, this is cool. And I'd give them away. I wouldn't sell them for barely anything. I didn't really care. But the adults were valuable. Anyway, fast forward, my daughter's like four or five and I want to take her to a show, you know. So we went to one of the shows and I still knew a few people from that show and I was walking around and, and it's nothing against anybody in particular, but I thought, I just looked at it like, man, like the show, the promotion and the promoter do a great job. They bring so many people in the door. I mean, I think social media brings a lot of people in the door, to be honest with you. I think Instagram and Facebook has really pushed the hobby and makes people take care of their animals better because they see how people take care of their stuff and they want to be better or get as many likes. It's like, it's kind of this whole, it'll really screw your rods and cones if you really start thinking about it. Like social media is like driven this hobby to such a better place. Well, like just think about it. I mean, from my perspective, I'm going to probably change the way all my setups are done solely because I'm bending the social media. And that's not even a negative thing. That's like they're pushing me to make my enclosures better so that my in the back of my YouTube videos, like, I want all my corn snakes to be in two foot cages. And it's like, not everyone can do that. I know. But if you're going to be front facing, it will be nice to, uh, to do that. And people will, will appreciate it. And, um, you know, like that's something to where they, uh, a lot of people are pushing the hobby in a different direction. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's nice to see. I mean, it's, um, it's a pain in the ass for us who have to change the way we do things, but it's also nice to see that, uh, things are being forwarded in a way yeah so i mean like i went to that show i must have been like i don't know 2015 maybe 2014 and like people didn't have banners up and the deli cups were like dirty and there wasn't you know people didn't have displays and i mean some people did some people have been on it for a long time but i looked around and i was like man i miss this and i i can, I can do better like i can i can do better than this like i can do better for the hobby and for the customer and for the, you know what I mean? The people in general. So I just kind of went all out and started getting, I try not to buy adults ever. I like to buy yearlings or maybe, maybe two years old. I guess you'd call that adult, but something that hasn't been bred yet. And I went with hog nose and I did a couple wholesale packages and spent some money, kept track of it. And, uh, then in my first show in August, 2016, after going down, to uh, the San Diego Super Show with Mike at his booth, kind of seeing how he did things. And uh, I always want to be better. It's not about being a better, like, I want to be better. It's about I want to be the best, as in, like, I want to know if I'm doing this. I'm doing it the best I can. I don't want to cut any corners, period. Like, it's not about besting the next person. It's about besting myself. You know what I mean? Like, I want, yeah. I want that to be the best I can do it, or I don't want to do it, you know? So... 2016 is, I mean, it's only been two, like two and a half years. I wouldn't even say 2016 really mattered. I uh, kind of went and did a show, got a good feeler, blew the table out of Hognose. And I thought, man, this is my favorite snake right now. You know, it still is. I still yeah. love Hognose. And so I went heavy on it. And 2017 was a great year. We have, we have two local shows here. And between the two of them, I think there's five shows a year. And one of them is a captive bred only one day show in Portland and Monroe. And that's my favorite show personally. It's one day, it's a banger. People line up for a friggin' mile 
and they come flying in and it's just i love that customer owner seller whatever interaction and the hustle and the bustle of the of the, the show and getting after it and, and the, you know what i mean like some I people get are like in their chair behind their table like eating a sandwich when you go up but like we're still in the you know we're ready to go stage you know like exactly. they're happy and... their their arms crossed reading a book you know but I like to be up on my feet and, hey, what's up? I talk to anybody. How's it going? What you looking at? What are you looking for? What do you have at home? How's it, you know, just whatever, you know, that's just, it's Christmas to me. I can't barely sleep the night before ever. I mean, I'm kidding you, man. I get pumped. If up. you're not packing up snakes and deli cuffs, that is. Oh, yeah, I know. To sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can burn through that. I, I do all my deli cups the night before, but I don't put them in there until the day, unless I'm out of town, of course. But I always tell people I treat that like an MMA fight, man. Like, I feel like I'm ready to go. Like, people are like, you're so intense about it. It's just the feeling, you know? It's like, it's a serious high to me. You know, I just love it. I mean, there must be some type of leftover, like, competitive drive in you, whether it's, you know, through football, wrestling, and then obviously you did MMA, which is crazy and stuff like that. I mean, you obviously are a competitive dude. So even if it's just besting yourself, you're still competing, you know, you're out there competing and getting hyped just, just to be out there. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I did do MMA for a while after college football and I, I wish I wouldn't have quit. I actually never lost. I went on a five fight run, five knockouts. I won an amateur world, world title for through the military, but it's just, you can't, you can't do that sport and, and have a job and buy a house. You got to live in your mom's basement and hopefully hit it big in 10 years. You know what I mean? Like, which is what a so, lot of us do that in snakes as well. So. <laughs> That's true, man. It's the same thing. You got a hobby that either keeps you from working or keeps you spending all your money. But so anyway, back to the shows. Um, every show I try to bring something else new. Like right now I'm working on lighting. I hate the clamp lamps. I think they they don't give off good light. and I, They're in your way when you're working. I'm working on bringing some lighting that I want to have dropped down over the top five or six feet above. I really light the front up. So I'm always trying to, you know what I mean, change change the way things look. And I've been, I invested a ton in uh, clothing. I got the enamel pins. I got the hats now. I got sweatshirts with the zip, nice. all the different t shirts and stuff. So that's just what I like to do. Do you sell apparel at the shows? And how well do yeah. you do? Man, it's gotten crazy. Like I have. A lot of, I'll give shirts away to somebody. They spend a couple hundred bucks, you know, it doesn't cost that much. The shirts are like five bucks to make if you're the cheap ones. These ones are expensive. They're softer, quite a bit more money, but like the cheaper ones, I don't sell them for more than, I don't even try to make money on them. I want people wear my name. I want my name out there when people are walking around the shows, but I'll hand stickers and shirts out left and right, except, except for the real high quality stuff. You know I mean? I, it costs money. You got to make money, but, um, like the hats, I sell them at cost, you know, I just, you want to get your name out there. They're doing you a favor wearing it and being a fan of it. But what kind of blows my mind is the amount of people that'll come up and say, oh, we're watching your Instagram. We want to support you. And they might not even buy an animal, but they want to buy the apparel. You know, that, mean, that almost means more to me than buying the animal. Like they believe in or they like what they see what they like. You know what I mean? And, or they like what they see. So they want to. They want to like that, in- wear your name. Yeah, yeah, like, like they want to give that money to you because of what you have done for them, which yeah. to you is just like, I'm just putting pictures out there, right? But I mean, 
yeah, that that matters a lot. And for people who aren't on social media, like we don't get another or a lot of breeders who are really big on Instagram or something like that. And you post a lot. It's something to where like people come up to you and like at the show, a lot of our people bought snakes who already knew us from Instagram. Like we don't even get oh, yeah. many, you know, people just coming by and buying snakes from us. We get people who are coming for us and then buying snakes because they saw us on Instagram or something. Yeah, you do your work at home pretty much, you know pre-sales for the most part or whatever but yeah i mean i think like that's another thing about instagram is i mean i, I just hit 2,000 followers i think it's like 2200 and i see there's people out there with like 20,000 followers and 30,000 followers but the 2,000 followers i have i go through that list man those are real followers they're not bot accounts they're not win a jamaican vacation account you know they're like <laughs> real reptile people so i feel like that's so valuable that's 2,000 people that want to see what I have or 2,200, I think now, but I mean, like I said, there's people out there with 20, 30,000, but that doesn't mean they have 2000 interested people in their brand. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's so valuable. I feel like it's so much more than 2000. It's so much appreciated. So, yeah, you see those guys with like 20,000 followers and get like 20 likes a picture and you're like, uh, what's going on here? Like, why does it, it doesn't benefit you at all to buy fake followers. Why don't you just get, real potential customers isn't that why we're here i mean but yeah i've i probably bumped 400 people since i started because they were random accounts they weren't like uh reptile people or they weren't like just personal accounts they were like like i said like win a vacation or big bill hell's car lot or whatever you know so it's like no nah. <laughs> i want it to reflect the real deal you know what i mean i want to reflect exactly what we're working towards so for sure. So that first show, I mean, you were you just basically you did like the old school method where you just bought clutches, you held back a few for you to breed and then sold the rest at a show. And that's how you kind of made your money to start up. That's exactly what I did. I bought ordered deli cups and didn't have a ban. I did order a banner and it was uh, just a picture of some snakes that I had produced a while back and I had an Instagram handle that I used to buy and sell gold and silver coins with. That was like a big hobby of mine just for fun. I enjoy it. Uh, real gold and silver, not like, you know what I mean? Like actual bullion. So I used that as my name and I put my phone number on it. And then I was like, I need to get a real business name and come up with something right. And I wanted to do something kind of cool, you know, like something different. I wanted like lost highway exotics. So I'm a big Hank Williams fan. But I, Michael talked me out of it. He said, you want to, you should do something that's really like professional, you know? And I kind of thought about how I wanted to do the logo with the name. And I thought it just has to be Evergreen State Reptiles. And I mean, that's pretty generic in my opinion, but it's really, it's really caught a lot of people's attention. So I'm happy I did it. Yeah, I think it's something to where I know exactly where you're from, kind of what your ethos is about and yeah. You know, it just gives you a good, and also it's it's easy to remember, and especially for people in the area, I'm sure they they relate with it. Oh yeah, yeah. When I did those tie dye shirts, or when the kids did, we did a bunch in Seahawk colors, and those sold so fast. That's awesome. Evergreen State Reptiles, and then it was the Seahawks colors. So, and we did a show that weekend in Seattle. So, probably sold like ten in the Seahawk colors. It's kind of smart. Just ran with it and it worked out. Nice, nice. Everyone came up to us and was like, you know, Baltimore is the port city. Are you from Baltimore? I was like, no, but I guess maybe we should be because. Um, oh, where you're at is not port city? Them. 
No, no, no. That was from like a place we lived in upstate New York a while a while back or that I lived in. But um It's yeah. a good name, man. I've actually told people that. That's a good name. But we don't read Pythons, man. Someday you might, but you know, it doesn't like I don't think that matters so much. <laughs> yeah. You think you, it matters? You just hear it so much. Just so many people yeah. bring it up. That is Do they? Oh, I haven't heard anybody say that. They don't read Pythons, but yeah, yeah, it happens at shows mostly because, or people think that the corn snakes are some type of python. Or, I don't know. Oh man, those yeah. people just keep walking. <laughs> keep walking. Yeah, I guess it's a filter though for people who yeah. observe snakes or not. I don't know, but it's um, it's been kind of a double-edged sword on that on that end. But you like came to the gate being as legit as possible. Like you got the logo designed and stuff though after that show or. Yeah, um, no, I, to, I did my own logo off photos of some Tegus and stuff. And I want to say it was probably after July of 2017, I ran with the name. So we opened the gates of 2018 with the name. And I wanted to be right. I wanted the logo to be right. I'm in it for the long haul. I'm not necessarily trying to make a business out of it. It's not about money. It's a, like I said, originally it was about, I saw the way things were being done. I thought I could do better than this. Like I can do better. And I wanted to, to challenge myself to like, you can do this. You know, my buddy was always telling me, you got the drive, you got the ability, you're smart, handle it, get after it, you know? But, um, if it ever morphs into that, you know, like where I wouldn't have to work, that'd be great. But I don't ever expect that. Not at all. Not one bit. But, uh, yeah, I tried to be as legit as possible. I wanted to come out. I wanted some recognition for the effort. Like we talked about my work schedule. I put a lot of time in. I lose a lot of sleep. So, But did you start really building, you know, building out from Hognose? When did all that start to happen? I, you know, it's happened so quick, man, to be honest with you. I never got, like, one big order from one person to, like, I was just lucky enough to to take the time to look on fauna, look on King snake. I've, I've only bought from Morph market recently. I never looked at that much because individual animals for sale rather than like groups. And I'd go to shows and I'd pick a few things here or there. And, and, and it just, you know, it was a lot of legwork to put pieces together. And like I said, my buddy, Michael, um, Roscoe, Roscoe's reptiles. He sent me a lot of animals. I hooked up with a good friend in, in uh, Louisiana, Vincent, VM, uh, Vincent Melhoff Reptiles, VMR, and uh, got a good buddy in Idaho now. He's an older guy, Earl Warren. He's the Treasure Valley Reptiles. And then Jeremy Brace with Brace Exotics. He's also down in SoCal. All these people matter. Like, it matters so much. When people are like, I think it's super ignorant when like people aren't open to like the community as far as like the relationships we have with each other. There's, I mean, Man, you've been kind of chit-chatting for almost probably close to two years now. I mean, just in passing for the most part, but I value that. You know what I mean? Like, I think that matters. Like, it's crazy. It's, to see, some people, it doesn't seem like it does. They really want to be like this guy over here, and it's everything's I and me. I'm always us and we. Like, always want to give uh, credit where it's due. Yeah, I don't think this would be any fun if we were just in our rooms tinkering with our own snakes i mean people do that though like, yeah, oh crazy. yeah people prefer that yeah it's insane sure. 
and they want like why don't you use these invaluable resources that are around you people with knowledge that you would like i mean talk to each other and hang out exactly because it's fun it's fun to hang out like i mean when i like i said michael's my brother now when we talk on the phone it's it's barely about reptiles it's mostly about life and same thing with jeremy Jeremy like braised exotics. I, yeah, I think you probably know who that is. It does it all, mostly corns, very few mm-hmm. king snakes. That's my other brother. You know what I mean? And I met him through Michael. They met each other randomly at a show and they got hooked up and we're just all family now. And I talked to Jeremy three, four times a week. And I want to say once a month, we talk about reptiles. <laughs> like it's just, you know, but I'll tell you what you, uh, it's probably a year ago where you made a post about sulcatas. And you really opened my eyes to like what I was contributing to. Do you remember that? Yeah. I mean, that's something to where I think that as a community, kind of like how you were talking about, like we need to get together and say like, how do we do this better in certain ways that serve us? Because prior generations have done good job and there's been people who've done a bad job. You know, there's been obviously Burmese and iguanas are down in Florida for a reason. And yeah. it's honestly, mo- it's our fault as, as pet, as the pet trade, it is our fault. And how do we, how do we stop that? How do we make our PR a little bit better? And it's like people like you who have a legitimate business and people like us and all the other people who are doing it right, that can finally give a decent light to, um, you know, this thing that we love, but yeah, things like Sokata's go on, on, on that. Oh, I just, you know, you made a post. It was like a year ago, and I was selling sulcatas left and right, captive bred, 55 bucks a piece, whatever. And they're captive bred by close friends of mine, not stuff I was pulling off Craigslist or anything else. So I know they were well taken care of, whatever. But in the end, a $55 tortoise is a disposable animal to 90% of the people that buy them. They don't protect that investment. We have to put value on these animals. Florida's full of iguanas. People probably want to argue it all day long. It's a value thing. You can go to Pet Show, Petco, PetSmart. Iguanas are on sale for fourteen ninety nine, and they were brought into the people five bucks each, man. Exactly. <laughs> and people that want to spend fourteen ninety nine on an animal aren't going to spend two hundred dollars on their cage, and then the animal's either going to die of MBD, malnutrition, whatever, and or get released. It's we got to put value on the animals. That's why, like. You know, I, I walked away from the sulcatus solely off your post. And I thought, I read it and I thought, man, I never really thought of it. Like, I started kind of actually giving it its own name. It's a dashboard animal at an expo. Mm. People buy it, toss it on a dash. Hey, we got a tortoise, 55 bucks. It'll be fun for the week. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to contribute to that. I don't want to get on uh, Google, type, uh, you know, go to Craigslist, type sulcata tortoise. Man. I just don't want to be a part of that. There's 20, 30 Sokata tortoises in every town looking for a house, you know. Mm-hmm. And for every 20 or 30, another 200, 300 died, you know. I just So maybe it's not good to talk about on a podcast, but maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah, no, no. Just, you, you totally woke me up on it. And I was like, you know, I sell captive bred redfoots from a friend of mine who breeds them in Massachusetts, Keith. Yeah. And those from value to those animals and the people that are looking for redfoots, they're looking for redfoots. You know what I mean? They're not just there and see a shell and th- 50 bucks. What a deal, you know? And either so, way, you can keep them inside, especially where you are. You know, that's a pet yeah. that you keep inside all year round and do really well with. Ours are outside right now. We put them outside for like three to four months out of the year. 
But yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, inside. Yeah, it's, I mean, the Pacific Northwest, it has cooler nights, but for three months out of the year, you know, you're pretty good to have. I like, I was thinking about putting the Lacertas outside because they're cranking eggs left and right, clutch after clutch after clutch. And uh, there's an older guy that's local, and he has a huge group, and he's never got an egg. I figured it out, you know. And I'm not, I don't, I'm not, you know, I don't need a hide, but I treat them just like the Colubras. They go in the garage for three, four months out of the year, 55 degrees. And they just turn over and turn over and turn over. So, but uh, they do really well outside here because they like cooler temps. They're from Spain and Paris, and they're fun lizards too. That's the one lizard besides the colored lizard. We're also working with those. We've got I'm looking at the cages over here. We have a, everything in one room, but we have some colored lizards and a fish tank on display. And the females digging in the sand. She's full of eggs. So that'll be our first clutch. Add it to the list of all the crazy stuff that comes out of this house. So. so all the all the lizard stuff you keep in groups and they just kind of reproduce as they go. Um, no, the the well the lacertas they have to be the males won't hurt the females, but the females will hurt each other one time a year. Like they'll they, you can have five females in a cage together, but after that dominant female ovulates. Then the rest do. She always ovulates first. I've never seen it other way. Well, I guess I've only been doing it for two years, but then she'll just go after those other ones, and they got nothing for her. She'll they'll tear them apart. So the females have to be separated during ovulation. She don't want that male touching them. So wow, that's crazy. The colored lizards you keep together. You just run in that male then through a few different females, like after that one goes, and you know which one it is, and then you yeah, move. Yeah, pretty. pretty yeah, pretty much. That's the way to do it. And they just, they, they, I, I mean, sometimes you'll see that male breeding every day, three times a day for 15 days. I just make sure to give them a few pinkies every week. And people say don't give them too many pinkies, but from my opinion, based off what I've learned from the male breeding himself too much and the females making eggs, they, I eat a lot of roaches and they, and I give them quite a few pinkies and even fuzzies every probably every seven to 10 days to get some pinkies and fuzzies. But, and that's the supplement. I mean, what's the main diet would roaches, okay. roaches, you know, I mean, um, I did do some tegu mix when I had a bunch of tegus. I, I bought, I went to a butcher and ordered uh, turkey necks and beef heart and this and that and the other and bone meal and had them grind it all up for me. And they kind of like that, but they don't like the mash. They want to bite something that's moving. So, that seems to be the best way to go. Got but they're fun, man. They like everybody calls them the mini Tigu. And that guy on YouTube, Clint, Clint's Reptiles, I think that's what his name is. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Clint. Yeah. He does a really cool video on Lacertas. And that's, and I was, you know, that's a good stuff like that. Like I said, that pushes the market, you know, like, and it pushes the right animal. You get your kid a Lacerta, you get it a green iguana. You know what I mean? Like, so those videos are like really good for that, in my opinion. So, yeah, that's a that's an animal that I always kind of looked over because I feel like it's it's somewhat common at reptile shows and it's not something that I really like given much of a uh, afterthought to. But how I mean, for a person keeping them inside, how would you typically keep them? Oh, so, I mean, it's kind of interesting how I do it. It's probably a lot different than most people, but I use a vision cage. I put the aluminum tape over the, the back of the holes, you know. And uh, I hung a 
the reptile basics. I love the reptile basic bulbs. It's dragon bulbs or whatever they're called. Fourteen percent. I hung that on the inside. Put a little hole on the outside. Run the cord through, and then I put a heat panel in there. No basking spot, and I keep the temp at eighty-four and drop. And I have a a VE three hundred X two, so it's got night drop, and I drop it to seventy two to seventy four at night, so it's got a ten degree night drop, and they just hammer it. You know, they they bask under that that fourteen percent bulb. But when I did have a heat light, like a, a spotlight on there, they never went by that at all. They always want to be up and under the UVB, and that heat panel keeps the cage at such a perfect temperature. So, you know, What's been your uh, experience with babies so far. Oh, they're crazy. They they're they're kind of scared of everybody, but they eat a lot. I'll throw like. I don't know. I think the baby cage is like 20 babies in it right now. I'll throw 300 roaches in there and they last maybe two or three days. They got a fast metabolism. They poop really fast, but they're so small. Those eggs are teeny. They're like size of your pinky, like the tip of your pinky, you know, but they, the, the lizard comes out good size. I incubated them with the colubrids, 82 degrees. Everything goes in there except <laughs> for, I mean, I had some tortoise eggs. They didn't work out. I was kind of bummed. I had some Herman's eggs. And I only had the one incubator, and I only had two Herman's eggs, so I had to put them in there at 82, but they probably needed to be at like 86, 87. But there was already 150 colubrid eggs at the time in there, and I, you know, I, I don't want to change that for two Herman's eggs. So I don't have the Herman's anymore, though. I send them to my buddy, Vincent. Yeah, I mean, once I heard about the whole, like, people – you can have tortoise eggs that last like six months and you need to cycle them and all this different shit. And I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> dude, how does that he was right? <laughs> like it's he like people have them on an incubator for like, like a pregnancy, nine months, you know, it's like crazy, but that's yeah, not my thing. That's why they got to cycle them probably. Cause the damn, you know, winter, fall, spring, everything, you know, they take the them so long every there. season. Yeah. I don't know anything about it. That was my first time. I was pretty stoked about getting eggs. I think probably there's nobody in Washington State that's gotten tortoise eggs. I mean, there's probably a few. I have a friend that has some star tortoises up north. He got some eggs, and they hatched. But I was stoked about it because I thought, man, you know, I really wanted to be self-sufficient with the tortoises. I wanted redfoots, and I wanted hermans, and I wanted them to come from my house. I bred them. You know, they came from here. It's not buying clutches or whatever, and I'm not against that, and I do it often, you know, but... Um, I want it to be from, from here, from this place, you know, but I abandoned it quick, you know, <laughs> they just can't spend enough time outdoors and it's too harsh for them. I do have the Burmese black mountain tortoises though. I don't Whoa. know. Did you, have you seen those, the pictures of those? No. Everybody's like, why do you have those? It'll take too long. Well, I mean, I got three kids, they're four, five and eight and they love this stuff. I mean, they're in it with me, you know, their hands on hand on all the animals and feeding and they want to help and. I don't let them clean, obviously, but I let them work the incubator as far as, you know, check the eggs and they handle the babies out of the, out of the incubator. But I want them to have a turnkey project someday. So I've invested quite a, quite a bit. I have three black Burmese mountains right now. I got them last year, right out of the egg and they're friggin' huge. They got so big, so quick. And I keep them the same way as the Lacerda is no basking spot, but I use that 14% bulb with a heat panel and a vision. And I got five more coming in the next month. So in 20 years, when they're 28, 25, and 24, they'll have this 
banger of a project right there in front of him. And hopefully it works out for him, you know? I mean, I just kind of think of their future. Like, I wish I had some adult Black Rumi's Mountain Forces. I'd probably have a select few colubrids, and that's all I would probably do. I think those are just the coolest tortoises there are. And people are wanting them. They're becoming popular. That is something to where, I mean, it seems like with the Hermans and stuff like that, you kind of experiment with different species and then you kind of figure out what you're into, what you're not into, you know, what you're going to dedicate your room to. And uh, it seems like it was just not your thing, but it seems like these Burmese mountain tortoises easily uh, fulfill that hole. But obviously a much long, much more long-term project. I've never seen uh, tortoises grow so fast in my life. um, They came out of the egg. They were, you know, like that big. They are this big. It's been 10 months. It's crazy. I mean, it's like a half dollar to a softball. And like, I think that it has to do with, yeah, absolutely. They're like a damn sandwich, you know, that grilled cheese sandwich already. And uh, I think it has to do with that cage, dude. I'm telling you, that vision cage, high humidity, heat panel, the basking is the 14% UVB and uh, cypress mulch. And they get baths once or twice a week, you know, soaks. Nice. And uh, that's the way to go. Some people probably argue you can't keep a reptile without a 120 degree hotspot. Who knows, you know? working out for me like i said those tortoises are huge so well so hey i was i was telling you before we started about the the crebo finago i said i'd make fun of myself a little bit yeah you want me to tell a story it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty embarrassing you know but everybody makes mistakes right so yeah. i bought these crebos off fauna is a model blacktail female and a clean line male the model blacktail female is supposed to be from black pearl and the clean line was supposed to be from john west i bought them from a gentleman in texas really nice guy he was selling his collection to put a down payment on a house so i totally felt it i was like oh i get that done it once before myself so the clean line's the male the model's the female that's what he says he gives me the paper that says this is who i bought it from comes with it they're beautiful animals i put them together last year um you know who mondo is on Instagram, Dry Mark on Ruby is. He just hashed out those MBKs, got some albinos in there. Oh, I'll Armando. tag you in his post. Armando, yeah, I call him. Yeah, him. yeah, I've seen him. So, you know, he, he's my homie. Like, I mean, we're, we've become pretty good friends. I really like him. He's a good guy. He kind of gives me the 411 on the Crevos and how to do it. And I follow his information to a T or his, his whatever, you know, and nothing happens. I'm like, what the hell? The male's a little small, but not too small to breed. The female's big. So the next year, I'm like, I'm not going to give up. And I'm like that, dude. I want it now. Like, if I think they're ready and they don't breed, I'm like, damn it. I'm going to want something else. <laughs> but I love those snakes. Like, there's those are the snakes I like the most. And uh, I try again this year, and I'm checking that female's nest box every day like a crackhead. Nothing. And I'm only looking in the male's tub every four or five days, spot cleaning, check, make sure he isn't shit in his water. And I slide that tub open, and there's like 14 eggs scattered through the tub. And I was like, what the hell? The male was the female. The female was the male. That's why they didn't go the first year, because the female, which I thought was male, was too small. She didn't have a nest box, so she shit out the eggs everywhere. There's five good eggs. 
two made it mm. one hatched the other one pipped the next day and i waited like two days and he never came out even after he pipped so i opened it up and he had a pretty good kink and he passed away so i got one out of 14 eggs people would say that's a <laughs> not good odds i'm happy <laughs> i got the one i i learned a lesson to probe the snakes no matter who you get them from no matter what the receipt says you know and uh next year will be a different story yeah but i'm embarrassed I don't think that's embarrassed at all i don't think that's embarrassed. i was hurt you've yeah. all done it man i was hurt when when i, I, when I paired myself. up my my louisiana pines they look exactly the same um and I was just like, I don't know which one it is. I'm going to put lay boxes in both of them just to make sure I have a feeling who it is. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that happens all the time. I Better actually, than having two males and putting them together and not getting shit season after season and being like, what the fuck, you know? Well, from now on, it took me a long time to trust myself in probing. And I still can't pop a baby snake. I don't know if you think it's good or bad or whatever, but I can't do it. I don't trust myself. My <laughs> hands are strong. They're huge. I fucking if I grab a hard boiled egg, it's fucking breaking. So I just pro I just probe now. I finally just gave into it and I just do it. It's so easy and for a long time I was still nervous about it just because, you know, whatever. But uh I can't remember I was gonna say something funny and I forgot. But uh anyway, I was embarrassed just because I felt like I was too I was you know, it was stupid not to know just now when I get snakes in, they come out of the bag, they're getting probed right now. I'm going to, you know, and I've, I've been sold animals that were supposed to be female that turned out male. And I didn't know for a couple months and the guy made it right. But then again, that's something I should, I should have probed him. I did that. I waited two years. I waited until the female was coming up on her breeding season, two and a half years. And then I look at her, I'm like, that's a male. Yeah. Uh, you know, like snakes, you can tell just by looking at them almost yeah. at that point with the tail length and just the structure of the body. Oh, the Louisiana pines. I actually randomly bought a pair off fauna in 2017 they were my first big colubrids and i bred them i was really proud of that project and they were lineage from i can't even pronounce his name van de vetter yeah yeah they were lineage from him and uh i sold them to my friend in spokane washington hunter sheffield sheffield reptiles good guy he's got them up there now he didn't pair them this year I, maybe he did but uh I got four eggs the first year, man. When I opened that tub, <laughs> those eggs looked like a ballpark hot dog. They were huge. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> but I was super proud of it. And I brought them to all the shows and I was showing them off and no one bought them. No one knew what they were. No one cared. So I was like, ah, you know. Do that now. It'd be a different story. I kind of wish I still had them. Yeah. But not for that aspect of it, just because they were they were mean. They were they were shitty snakes, dude. They were pissy <laughs> and they'd strike three feet at you. And okay, like, so at least you have a similar experience because my friend James, who's in the chat, always makes fun of my pines for being so terrible. And his, he can handle them. I have Vandy Venterline shit too, so maybe it's something there. I don't know. Oh, how do you see the chat? Can I not see it, or only you can? Yeah, no, only oh. I can, but I can like, uh, I could show you some comments and stuff. Oh, like that, you know, cool. I just want Yeah, it's just stuff. They're talking about their own stuff. So that's why it's oh, all okay. confusing. That's why I try not to get too caught up in it myself. Shit, we've been rolling for 15 minutes already. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? And it this goes guy like said, I want to. I was all worried about doing this. I was all worried about doing this. I want to make sure I'd entertain, you know, have a good time. <laughs> that first time we tried to do it, I mean, I. With my work schedule, 
you were talking about that before we went live. I worked seven day tours at the, at a, at a, at a, at a paper mill. Basically I worked seven graveyards with one day off, seven swing shifts, two days off, seven day shifts, three days off. That's your whole month. So everybody gets four weekends. I only get a three day weekend, a two day weekend, a one day weekend. Then I roll back a graveyard and I burn all my vacation for doing shows. So it's kind of shitty for the family. We still get, a vacation in there somewhere. Last year we went to Sun River. This year we went to Vegas. We got family in Vegas. They say Vegas isn't for kids, but I tell you what, my kids loved it. We had a great time. They absolutely loved it. They want to go back. So um, between that and 400 snakes, dude, I'm dying. I do have some local help and some local friends, and and they've been a lot of help to me. And my wife has really stepped up as well. She did not like snakes when we met. She kind of tricked me. She never said it was a problem until we bought our house, and then it was a problem. And I slowly moved them into the garage, and from the garage, it came in the house. And now that whole room's full, and now she's in the incubator every day checking eggs, and that's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to see. Well, she sees the the. Uh, we have two girls. Youngest is four, and she loves holding the snakes out of the incubator. Everything's a baby shark. She calls them baby sharks, and. When you see a four-year-old hold a snake and you and you want to do it yourself, you're kind of like, oh, man, what am I, you know, maybe I should. So, yeah, she takes care of them out of the incubator. It's kind of cool to see. I really, really makes me happy. So, if I'm going to the point of being deathly afraid of something that can't really hurt you, you know, to accepting it. And she's been working the shows with me. And like I said, we got local friends that come work the shows and they're, they're all in. And uh, I give them a percentage of their sales, you know, and we go that route. And, um, another local friend comes in and work has worked in the room and I'll pay him by the hour just to help out when I'm like, I work a lot of 12s. Those seven day shifts are eight hour shifts. But when someone goes on vacation, it gets split between two people. Like last week I worked seven 12s on day shift. Thank God it was day shift. But that's a lot of fucking hours, man. So you, I definitely need to do graveyard, flip it over, do a show the next day. Oh, that first show I ever did, I walked, I, oh. I walked into the show. I got off at six 30 in the morning, swung by the house, grabbed everything was packed up, ready, drove just eight minutes across the bridge. And that Portland show is just awesome. I've been trying to get Dave Kaufman to come to that show. He's like the one YouTube persona that I really kind of, I like, and I follow and I watch his YouTube stuff everything that comes out and I, I think he's a great guy and i think i think he needs to come to that show and see that one day part show and how live it is how wild it is i think i think he needs to come you know i think that people are ready to see him i think it'd be a really great thing but anyway i rolled into that off graveyard about 11 12 o'clock i'm burning throwing up in the trash can just from fatigue you know like just getting after it it's hard man i, I don't do graveyard that well but i'll just push through it so yeah, I don't know if people, if you haven't worked that shift, like your body never gets used to it. You always feel off. And then like, yeah, it's just not your natural circadian rhythm. So like. No, it, well, imagine it, doing all three shifts. Yeah, especially if you need to switch time. over all the time. Yeah. Tonight's my last graveyard shift. So, you know, I won't go to bed when I get home in the morning. I'll stay up and I'll nap for like an hour and a half. That way at nine or 10 o'clock, I'm crashing with the family. And I wake up the next day, and then that's my day off. I don't ever count that day when you get home off graveyard at 6.30 as your day off because you feel like shit. And you, you sleep through half off. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I go to bed at nine o'clock every time I wake up, and then the next two weeks are easy because it's swinging days. But it throws me right back on the schedule. How do you deal with like cleaning animals, feeding animals? You do it before work, after work. How do you manage all that? So, um, well, we, I use the uh, it's that paper pellets. It's cat litter, but it's not scented. It's just all natural. And I'm telling you, man, that stuff has changed the game for me. I used to use Aspen. I used to use Sandy Chips. I have liners. I, I went to a paper company just down the road, and I took all my tubs with me, and I said, I want liners for this stuff. And I bought $400 for the liners, like 10,000 liners for all the Vision tubs and the I-60 or I-160 and I-80s. And I used those for a while, but one poop, and you got to change it, you know? So I switched to that. I got the Amazon Every three weeks, they drop off four huge bags of that litter, that just paper pellets. And we spot clean for two to three weeks, three or four times a week. And that stuff lasts forever. No smell, no nothing. And after the third, the fourth week, we do complete bedding change because, you know, the colubrids are pooping crazy. Yeah. So feed once a week. The little guys get fed twice a week, the little babies. We got on a pretty good schedule. It took a, a while to figure it out, though. The boas only get fed every... I would say I don't go 15 days. I'd probably go 12. So we had our first litter of boas this year. I'm pretty stoked about that. What'd you produce? I, I have a snow female, and Michael sent me a Roswell ladder tail uh, het call, pos het annery, and it proved out. So it's het snow. So we made Roswell ladder tail anneries, anneries, and we made snows, but none of the snows carried the Roswell ladder tail. So okay, what the hell are you talking about? What is a Roswell? Is that a is that those are all mutations? Yeah, it's a ladder tail. It's like it's got they call it a ladder tail because it looks like a ladder. It has like perfect squares rather than so what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> but you know what a snow is, you know? Yeah. That's funny. Um I'll speak but, uh, picture. Roswell? I'll in a picture. Okay. I don't know why they call it Roswell. I just call them ladder tails, but dogs barking. French bulldog. She must but see somebody. That is, uh, like some type of BCI. What's that? The BCI boa of some sort. I th- I think they're BCC. I think that's kind of like a the B- the snows have some BCC in them because the snow is huge, and the Roswell ladder tail is very thin and very long. So I think they got a little bit of a mix. They're not like the sun glow and all that other stuff that are BCI, short and fat. They're definitely longer body, thicker body snakes. I'm not really sure though. I, I should probably know, but you know, you can't know everything. Like there's a there's a woman in Washington, um, Celesti, Celestial Exotics. D, her name's Dm. She just does boas. She's been a big help to me. Michael breeds. I don't know. I, I'd probably say 20 liters a year of boas, so he helps me a lot too. Between the two of them, if I need to know something, if a customer asks, I'll go to them. But I kind of know more about the colubrid stuff for sure. Yeah, I think we all have those uh, those things to where you refer to others. It's not like your main project that you're working with, so you kind of defer your knowledge to others sometimes to figure somebody out. Somebody starts somebody starts talking to me in scientific names. I'll just end the chat. <laughs> I don't do that either. I don't like that. I can't keep up with that, man. I got too many animals to know that stuff, so I can't stand that. I'm like, oh man, I know I should know this stuff, and I just don't. So I'm just like, eh next person <laughs> it, it gets me when someone throws out like the scientific name of a gecko and i'm like man i can barely do snakes let's calm the down latin with name. the latin names dude it's crazy 
They're like, you don't work they're, with they're three words. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I breed reptiles. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> so how did, uh, so obviously you got boas this year. And I mean, that must be completely different than, I mean, the other boas you bred were, uh, were rosy boas, right? And they're just like corn snakes. Yeah. Cool them three to four months, feed them, put them together, live birth. Man, I remember the first time I opened that tub. I, I built these homemade racks with these IKEA shelves. They worked really well too. Back in the day, everything I have now is from Chris or Sea Serpents. I love Chris. He's a hell of a cool guy. Met him in person. We had a few drinks at that uh, Pomona this year. I love supporting that guy. I love his builds, and I got some vision stuff. And but anyway, I built that homemade rack, and I, you know, you know, I don't know if I'm doing it right. I was 20 years old, 21 years old. Slide that tub open is full of babies. Man, it was exciting. Top five days of my life. You know, the first time, you, you know, it's a cool thing. And that's when you know that people are real. Like, they really end it. You know, it's not about the money. It's about, it's an accomplishment, you know. People do it by accident. And they don't even care, you know. We all work so hard to do it. And, and the sun's really coming in. I'm going to see if I can slide over. Yeah. So... I mean, it must be so much different now. I mean, you have so many species going on. I mean, you must have oh, had... I should have been here from the beginning. Oh, yeah. That looks perfect. I mean, how many species have you bred for the first time this year? Uh, the knobs, the gray bandits, the Florida kings, the boas, uh, the lacertas. I think it's probably... probably Crebo. Was that this year? All the year? Well, we only count that one guy. That one, yeah, one you baby. still do that, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, my bulls didn't go. I actually sold Dave Kaufman, um, one of my male bulls, because I shouldn't have sold. I, I should have sold him. I'm glad he got it. He got some awesome babies from it, but I, I didn't use it because I had an albino, and I was trying to use him. And I was like, I don't need two bulls. I only have one or two males. I only have one female ready to rock. And I'm raising up some males, and, and Dave wanted it, needed it. So I hooked him up with it, and then I didn't get a clutch. I was kind of burned out on that. I was like, damn it. But, you know, that male was ready to rock, hadn't been bred, wanted to breed. I sent it to him, and he's the he's kind of the bull snake guy anyhow. So, you know, next year will be another story. I'll have three or four females ready to go, and... I think they need to be cooled a little cooler, too, the females. I don't know. I, who knows about that? A lot of people say the males are really where the coolness matters cool, as far as, like, the bromation periods or, and stuff. But something may happen. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Next year, though, I'm going to be after it. So. And is there anything, I mean, is there anything that you're focused on? Or I guess we haven't talked a little bit about, uh, like, Hognose Project or anything you got going on. So, yeah, my hognose stuff is all – Jason Taylor's kind of like the hognose guru. You know, that is beyond genetics. He's a good guy. We've become friends over the last couple of years. And uh, I got some arctics through him, got some other cool stuff through him. So hopefully those arctics will go. And uh, I actually just – man, I think I love the really expensive stuff, but that market's only so big. And the stuff that holds their value and the stuff that people can afford, at least where I'm at, is the Conda, Albino, the Xanthics, the Snows. I like to stay within that, believe it or not. I think I saw somebody, I don't know which Hognose guy it was, posted the other day, like, 
not the other day, a few months ago, a litter of, or not a litter, a clutch of uh, all those hognose and, you know, they were just albinos and they were different kind of, some were orange, some were yellow and some were condoms, some weren't. And he said, you know, this is, this, this clutch right here is still to him the most valuable clutch because they actually sell it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get stuck with a bunch of animals. I want to be able to have that, that, that sale. I want to, and not for the money, but for the customer, you know, and for me and, and like I said, I like that. I like that interaction. I also don't want to send stuff to Hong Kong. I know people do it, and I think it's helped raise the value of our animals here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it helps lower our dem- or our supply rather. Yeah, which actually it puts the out. demand on. And yeah. I want to touch more, more about that. Is you know, like South Korea and, and Japan are are kind of getting into that, and you know, all that's from Instagram. All these people posting beautiful animals. And, and animals look nice and they're well taken care of. And like I'm telling you, it's really, it's really heightened how people have to care for their stuff. People can't, you know, take pictures of animals in glass tanks with bare minimum anymore. You know what I mean? Like people protect their investment when they spend that money and they really care for their animal. It just seems like now more than ever, people are into caring for their animals. Or just like keeping one pet even, you know, I love seeing that. Yeah, as opposed to like hoarding a shitload of reptiles. Like you see all those memes, you can't have one snake, you got to have 15 or you either have one or 15 or whatever. Like people really seem to be all in on their pets. And I really think it's because the the social media, like they want to show it off. Well, it's got to be well taken care of. Their house, their house, their environment's got to be well taken care of. And I think that's so awesome. It's really changed the hobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in a good way, a really good way, and and then the, the war on social media. Now they're coming after everybody for snakes. Whatever that's all about. Yeah, that's something to where we're we're definitely seeing a change from obviously selling on Facebook and all that stuff, and now we got to find different avenues. I mean, you know, obviously you're doing shows and stuff like that. Um, are the bulk of your sales coming from shows or online, or how does that work? Instagram, I say, is probably like. 10 to 20 percent i don't think i've sold barely anything off facebook but i've bought off facebook i like instagram so much more there's no politics on it i follow reptile accounts i follow a few friends from growing up and uh actually i have you on my close friends tab i post God. pictures of the family once in a while i know you've been seeing them. it's because i put you in the you know they have that tab for close the green friends, so you do yeah. a store. yeah i put you on there I know you're a good dude, so you know I, I don't want to post my family on my reptile account. But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Instagram recently just made one of the where you select like art or small business. They have one that says reptile pet shop, and I've seen other people are using it. My friend Savannah, she's in Florida. She's got some tegus that we have a tegu project together. Safari uh, savvy reptiles. She's a cool chick. She shot my name out on a podcast, so there you go, Savannah. I gave you one back. <laughs> she had uh, selected that reptile pet shop, and I thought, man, are they doing that so they can? I got all like suspicious. Are they doing that so they can pick us apart and dump us? But then I thought, you know, maybe they're doing it because they want people to be legit. If you're going to do it, so I put it up last week. I don't know. We'll see if I stick around. I, I mean, we've ads. been taken down. We're, you know, retail pet shop or whatever the hell we're supposed to you be. You have or haven't? I'm categorized that way, yeah. No, you have been taken down or you haven't? Oh, no, I haven't. Oh, okay. Yeah, But I mean, a, I, don't pick, I don't post directly for sale ads, though, also, so. 
man, I'm trying to, I have the website, evergreenstatereptiles.com, but I bought my website through a server in like Europe. It was only like 75 bucks a, a year. And it's hard to do the customer service thing if you need help because they're awake when I'm asleep. Well, I guess I'm, a, I'm awake almost always, but nevertheless, <laughs> yeah. it's, there's been some issues as far as like when I post stuff, animals for sale, I figure what I end up having to do is post an item for shipping and then put instruction. Like if you buy a snake on the website, make sure to put $55 flat rate shipping in your cart as well. You know what I mean? And then if I sell a hat or a shirt, it's just free shipping. So I need to put that instruction on there. There's only a couple. Of, I got some albino checkered garters on there now, but I, I got so many snakes for sale. I got 150, 200 snakes. I got to, you know, it's just, it's so hard. I got to get somebody to run that website. It's just so hard to even, even if somebody's running the website, they still need me for direction. And it's hard to have somebody do that when I don't work day shift, you know? Yeah. Like for me, I've been trying to kind of like train Melissa to do that because obviously I can work with the animals all I want. And Melissa, you know, doesn't care that much to work with them that intensely and, you know, try to have her, you know, put up the ads, but and then she runs out of time and it's just, uh, and I run into the same problem. Uh, I can't put shipping separately for some reason on our website. So I need to do them all shipped prices, which is kind of a pain in the ass because shipping well, then is if somebody wants to buy more than one. Right. I'm t- I think that's the way to do make an item that's like put a shipping box as a picture and say instructions at the top, put this in your cart. If you choose a live animal one time, I, I do $55 flat rate. I never charge more. I never charge that. Sometimes it's 75. Sometimes it's 46. It just is what it is. Most of the time, nine out of 10 packages are going to cost me 70 bucks or 65. I don't give a crap. I don't care. I just, it is what it is. I don't care about PayPal fees. I don't care about losing $10 on shipping. I throw stickers in every box, cost me three or four bucks that way, whatever. It all works out in my favor in the end or the favor of the animal or the customer. Everybody, you know, everybody's happy. I guess not my favor, but the animal sells, there's some profit margin and I can move on to the next sale. You can't like be too precise or else it's never going to work out. Right. So what, what kind of things do you like to do as far as uh, packaging and marketing your stuff you know when someone opens a box i mean i I guess it seems like everybody kind of does the same thing anymore you put the cards and the stickers on top of the styrofoam or whatever Uh, i bought some cheap stickers and i put those on the deli cups unless it's going to a homie they're not getting nothing because they already (laughs) but if it's going to a new customer like somebody buys on instagram i put a, a sticker on the on the deli a cheap sticker on the deli i put a couple business cards in the box and i put a some high-end dike stickers and i got magnets i put those in so i recently just bought um coasters um can't think of what the heck the name is they're always showing up on your instagram feed and i'm going to put those inside the delis at 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 the shows so instead of those white paper things you know like I use that bedding too and or the white paper and i treat every liner before i go to shows so nothing comes home with me but uh I'm going to use those coasters and it's going to have my, my logo in every deli at the table. It's going to look badass. That's, dope, That's what I'm all about. Yeah. Like yeah. Like ship. that is something that honestly just starting to do more shows we're kind of getting into too, but uh, we you do like your thing and stuff, but 
yeah, the coaster is legit. I mean, that is like in a perfect world, we'd have some type of like deli cup liner with the logo on it and everything. That'd be amazing. I looked into getting those liners printed and it was ridiculously expensive. And then I found those coasters and I thought, and they drop right in. They're the same size as the damn wow. deli cup. And I was like, oh, now everybody's going to do it. They're going to hear it on here. Gonna have well, I have a thousand people listening to the podcast. <laughs> I'm a dickhead and I got square I got square uh, deli cups so I can't do it but I got otherwise I would immediately yeah <laughs> otherwise <laughs> I would steal your shit right now you could, no you could, that's I'm telling you I also don't like those uh, three tier displays because when the snake I try not to feed my snakes for a week before the show I want I want all that stuff gone I don't care if they pee but when they poop in those I used to have those three tier displays i use them for two shows and i trade them for a snake i'm out i'm done with that i like the deli cup because if a snake poops on the deli cup i use wet wipes one circle or just replace the deli cup and i use the displays for the deli cups a lot of people don't like it i like it because i cannot stand those friggin displays with colubrids they can they stink so much when they start crapping in those corners and and once you wipe them, they always have streaks. They get the acrylic gets scratched. Just I'm just not a fan of it. But I mean, I know a lot of people like them. They work. They probably work good for certain stuff, but I don't think they do well for colubrids at all. So do you do the like? There's cutout circles, and then the deli cup like plops it into it. In. And then, yeah, and then there's uh, like plexiglass over it or acrylic, whatever it is. Exactly. Well, I actually I'm working on something with a fabricator at work. He's making me a display out of stainless. It's not going to be stainless. It'll, it's going to be powder coated white. And my logo is going to hang down in the front. So it'll look like a tablecloth runner. Off that, it's going to be welded. So the deli cups will sit in that. But right now I have the acrylic, or not, a, yeah, like the black, what is it? PVC with the deli cups drop in and the acrylic lays over it. But those even get scratched. I can't stand that look. As soon as something gets scratched, I don't mind having them open. No one's ever tried to steal from me. There's been people stealing from shows left and right. I've never had an issue, and I'm standing right there, so I'm not too. You're also about bigger it, so. than everyone else behind the table of the whole show. That so. doesn't that doesn't necessarily matter. People <laughs> like to challenge the big guy once in a while. Yeah, but, I guess uh, that. I want to say the last Seattle show. Some guys walked up to a tortoise table and they're handling the tortoises. Next thing you know, the tortoises weren't in their hands. They handed off the people behind them. It's like three or four tortoises for their pancake tortoises. So they're like 500 bucks, 100 bucks. That guy was about 1,600, two grand right there. So, you know, that doesn't happen too much. But I've seen on YouTube where it happened at Pomona recently. People are putting deli cups under their baby and their stroller and all sorts of shit. I wish that would happen to me. <laughs> I want that to happen. I'm waiting for that. But. Yeah, I mean, and and I don't like the look of like yeah, the deli cups on the table, and then you put the uh, the like plastic netting over it or stuff like that, so people don't steal them. Like that looks jank. Oh yeah. You know, some of those guys that have eight tables at a show, though. I mean, you got to do what you got to do, especially in California. The shows get so crazy and. You should come out sometime for one of those shows. I don't know what the shows are like where you're at, but the, I, I, I want to go to Daytona and I want to go to Tinley, but I love Pomona and I think they're moving that show. I'm not sure. I, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure if they are or not, or the San Diego Super Show. You kind of have to, man. There's like 
when I went to San Diego in 2016, there was 10 people back, 20 people across at the forefront tables. I mean, and hands are everywhere, you know? Yeah, that's all. I, so, I need to go to Pomona. That's really, you, you went awesome. two weekends ago or so? No, when was it, was this? it was yesterday. It was Saturday. Oh, Sunday. Saturday. I sent some animals to Michael. We sent animals back and forth, and he's came up and worked a show with me here, and I went down there twice now for shows. But um, the Pavone, I actually like the San Diego Super Show a little bit more, personally. Really? It's not as fast-paced, but it's faster than anything you've seen. Like, Pomona is, like, hectic. And then some of those, uh, nothing against some of those guys, but some of those big breeders and YouTube stars, they kind of have the celebrity persona. And uh, it's, I don't know, it's a little weird. There's a lot is of pictures that, of uh, fans and stuff. Like There's like booth setups for them to take pictures with fans. <laughs> oh, so like, uh, so everyone came out and did like little uh, meet and greet type deals. Yeah, I like that though. I mean, like Dave walks around and he talks to talks to folks and stuff, and he films his show. And I love his shows when he's at the shows he films or the the YouTube show when he's at the show. Those are my favorite shows. And people don't that, realize how big of a pain in the ass that is to get like decent sound and a decent video out of that out of the chaos. I watched Dave film at Michael's table, and I watched him run through like the same cut like 20 times because of how loud it is the distractions and stuff and he's super professional so yeah I, it takes a lot of work those guys work hard but yeah I think, it's uh, kind of weird though seeing everybody be, being a celebrity you know because <laughs> everyone about the animals and yeah. yeah i guess yeah that that is kind of weird is the point where i guess which always happens to a certain extent that personalities are are outweighing you know the actual animals it's not too bad, but it's it's kind of funny. But they're also but building. They earned it. They earned it. Whatever. They earned it. And it's good for the community. Like every one of those clicks, every one of those views, it's good for everybody involved. It's good for the animals. Like I say, I, I swear to God, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook has changed the way animals. Ten years ago, I'd go across the bridge and look at somebody's collection. I wouldn't even go in their house. You know what I mean? Like. I've been to some of those houses where it's like a hoarding house and it's like, shit, you know, you, is there a cobra coming up from behind me? You know, I used to hate you getting know. back off of Craigslist and pulling up to like the sketchiest people's place. Oh man. <laughs> Crazy. I used to, I used to get a lot of stuff off Craigslist like that racks and supplies. And, um, I hit the jackpot of all jackpots this last summer. I got three bowl files off offer up for $25. No, I swear to God. And I went to go pick him up. I like, I saw it and I was like, what the hell? And I messaged the lady. I said, I'll take him right now. And I went to go get it. And she said her brother moved to the Midwest and took his snakes to, couldn't take the cages. And she told him just to get, give them away or whatever. And she was having a garage sale. So she put them in a garage sale for 25 bucks for all three. And then took a picture and put on offer up. And man, that was a big deal. <laughs> Well, think about, I, stoked. I mean, like as a person who doesn't know anything about reptiles, these are plastic boxes, you know, with sliding glass doesn't seem that expensive, but damn, that's, I, deal. I thought they were animal plastics when I first got them. And I sent a picture to a friend because I never had any bow file stuff. I always use visions. And he's like, those are bow files. And sure enough, you know, they got the locking 
doors and flip down or whatever and they're they got that plastic weld i've i've used some uh cages that people have made with a pvc and if they animal it doesn't matter if they're sealed or not or you put caulking in the corner if the animal pisses you can see it run down the outside of the cage i can't i'm not for that i can't do that those are gone you know i have to have the real stuff that's why like i said sea serpents chris is a cool guy great prices ships to you handles biz and then of course vision everything's enclosed bowl files everything enclosed wipe it out clean it up so yeah it seems like there there's not many uh cage manufacturers who come through on their promises and things come in an orderly fashion so um it seems like chris at sea serpents does that well Are you having your stuff no i actually don't which is uh, kind of weird because i'm not really like rack centric but i have some tgr yeah. stuff but. i have uh the uh, Reptile Basics hatchling racks, those I-60s, 160s, and I-80s. And I can't stand the space, but for the amount of time that the animals are in those racks, it's so short-lived. I try to sell, like Hognose, three unscented meals, I sell them, and they never turn back. Clubrids, every other Clubrid, I do five meals. But so, I mean, they're in there for such a short time, but those tubs are so small. And I have to buy like these little teeny ceramic dishes off Amazon for it. Yeah, that's kind of a pain. I just the do. Uh, is a pain. Well, that's better than what I do is I do the Chinese takeouts or the deli cups, I like the that. larger deli cups. Damn, does that get to be a pain in the ass when you open a hundred of those things. So, A friend of mine does that. He keeps everything in the incubator until it sells because the incubator is at 82. He feeds in there, keeps them in there, cleans in there. He's got a huge incubator, one of those double door Coca-Cola ones. And it works out really well for him. He's using the same thing. He goes to the restaurant supply store in town and burns a couple holes. And that's what he does. That's actually pretty brilliant if you are someone who's like worried about biosecurity. And therefore, you can have a separate hatchling room. But it's not even a room. It can just be your incubator in a different room in the corner, like tucked in somewhere. And then your adults are in a totally separate room exactly he kills it that way i mean does really well that way and animals like like i mean try to find hatchlings in in december or january all the people that are breeding you me and the other thousand people there's no hatchlings available they sell quick you know what i mean they sell quick i'm gonna hold some back so i have stuff for the shows in january january is a big show in portland that's been my best show ever it's a one-day show it's seven hours everything has to be captive bred and that's been my best show. Uh, this next weekend is Portland, uh, August 17th. But the January one's the, for some reason, it's the better show. And uh, I want to have stuff. So I'm not going to, I'm going to Sacramento next month. I'm really excited about that. I know you saw that trailer I bought, right? Mm-hmm. See the trailer? Yeah. Let's get the decals put on it right now. Getting the Evergreen State on the sides, on the front right so when i'm driving down the road people see it or the front left right when you're looking at it one on the back and then a, a window decal that you can see through on my truck but i'm headed down to sacramento guns loaded i'm gonna handle it that's gonna be a big <laughs> deal for me i hope they have that lights those lights i want but uh i'm bringing a bunch of we'll see what happens it'll be like my first time ever going to california vending myself so it's are you about it you ever thought of uh, flipping your season upside down? I know people have done it. I'm not doing it, but uh, have you thought about it? I don't it? think I could. I don't think I could because 
I use the natural temperature of my garage to bermate. I do the old Same here, Thanksgiving yeah. week to to uh, end of February type thing. That's some some animals I'll leave in bermation till March. Some I'll pull out in the middle of February. But uh, I, if I pull them all out at once, it's too much work, man. I'll be passed out on the floor in there. So I try to do half, and then two weeks later, do another half. But uh, yeah, we have seasons here, real seasons. Like it's cold as hell in the winter. And it's pretty warm in the summer, and and then we have a, a pretty nice fall and a real spring. So that's why I like colubrids. That's not why I like colubrids. I like colubrids because I like colubrids, and it just worked out that where I'm at geographically, it's perfect for the species. So, and hopefully for the boas. I mean, I got the one this year. I missed one. The other two didn't go. I got six females now, so Damn. adult females. And I'm not going to go any more than that. That's a lot. As far as they shit the size of a Doberman, they're huge. You know, they, <laughs> they piss tons. It's like a damn two liters of pee every time they pee. And I feel like that's one of those animals where, I mean, people usually, if you have six, you don't hit six out of six in a season. It's kind of one of those things where they sparingly go and, you know, you'll get a few to go one year and the next and... Well, it was my first year. I had four females and two males, and everybody said you should go one to one. But I mean, I only had what I had to work with. The snow was my priority. She went. I have a mot. I have a motley, and they were locked up forever. And then I walked in the room, and there's all those sweet tomatoes or sweet potatoes. Everybody calls it. That was a punch in the gut. I couldn't believe she dropped 26 infertile whatever and uh they were paired up off and on and that was probably where i screwed up off and on just probably barely missed ovulation and the other two were paired up as well and they locked up for a long time and they didn't breed but next year they will i hope you know i don't know like i said i'm still learning the whole cycle people say boas are easy for me it hasn't been easy i tried I to snow boa last year and she didn't go yeah, I think it's it's a totally different mentality than we're used to, I think. And a lot of people have issues with boas. That's why, I mean, I wouldn't be confident in my in my abilities for sure. Oh, dude, I called my buddy. I called Michael and my buddy Vincent, uh, VM Reptiles. Uh, and I'd be like, I'm done with these boas, man. I'm sending them to you. <laughs> I give up. And they're like, oh, you'll, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's June. It's July. I'm done with this. And all of a sudden, there's all these babies in the cage. <laughs> That's awesome. So like did you like give up by the time you, you ended up getting him? No, I could tell the snow boa was gravid. She got super lean and so big in the middle. And I was actually kind of worried about her, but I was reading online. A lot of people say some boas you can't tell, and some boas look like shit when they're gravid. And I'll tell you what, though, she ate. The next day, she's eating, ready to go, taking rabbits again. And she looks like a completely different snake already. It's only been, I don't know, six weeks. So, but it, it kind of worried me because she was like, my my youngest daughter, her middle name is Pearl. And I bought that boa from a woman who bought it from a breeder. Some out there in the Midwest. And she paid a lot of money for it. She was a deaf woman. And I met her online, and she was local. She was moving, and she had named it Pearl. So they share the same name. So, we, you know, she's kind of, like, special to the kids as far as Harlan's middle name is Pearl. 
and the snake's name was Pearl. And then she started looking like hell after she started getting grabbed and I was a little worried about it. But she looks amazing now. And she's super tame. Good, good feeding response, but super tame. I guess that's, that's the one thing with the kids. It's like you don't want their favorite snake, anything to happen to their favorite snake. No, I don't. You don't want to like subject them to dental. <laughs> so try to explain that, you know. But uh, once in a while, you know, like I don't know how you do it with colubrids, but this year specifically, the first time I ever had a snake die in the egg was the Louisiana pines. I had an egg not hatch and i don't want to cut eggs ever i don't want to be that guy i i know people do it with balls and and they do it with re, retics and stuff but i don't feel like it's something you should do with colubrids and uh obviously i opened it up after like four or five days and its mouth was open and it had like choked on the yolk and its egg tooth it didn't have an egg tooth because i took the other three and looked at them really close they all had egg tooth so it couldn't get out and it died that way but this year i want to say haven't lost a single hog nose out of probably 150 200 eggs but i lost one gray banded in the egg fully developed i lost the entire clutch of cow king fully developed in the egg not a single one had an egg to that there's 13 of them it was so weird and uh, i lost uh, one of the knobs fully developed in the egg but i mean as i was telling my wife we were talking about it like, you gotta think in the wild, they lay a clutch of 10 eggs, probably four hatch, maybe. I don't know. Do all of them hatch? Who knows? Or if they do, they all get, half of them get eaten anyway, and then, you know, one or two make yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it seems like with the colubrids, every other clutch, I lost one fully developed baby in the egg. And I know it's not the incubator, it's Chris's incubator, and that sucker hums at 82, never drops or goes up. And 82 seems to be, I don't know what you incubate at, 82 seems to be the spot for me. 82. Yeah, yeah that's the best. But I, I, like let it works across the board. I let it swing this year, and I've had so many stillborns, and I'm like, maybe I should go back to being like very particular about it, because I usually get good hatch rates i got like a hundred percent last year and this Me year too. i'm probably at 70 percent it's like this year was a complete shit show yeah i didn't lose a single animal last year but i also had seven clutches instead of 27 and i think opening the incubator to add clutches and i don't check on eggs i know i watch i know some of these guys on here Especially the tegu breeders, they're handling the eggs every day. Like leave <laughs> they're that shit alone. it on the belly, see if it pops out or whatever the hell they do. And that's one thing about Savannah that I like. We, I sent her my big female red. She has a beautiful red male. We got thirty-four eggs, and those eggs hatched over like a nine-day period, and she never fucked with them. She just left them alone. And people, I was watching a video the other day, and I won't say who it was, but he had a customer in the back rubbing a tegu egg. And the tegu flies out, hits the bin, hits the table, lands on the ground. And like, there's your tegu. I'm like, holy shit. It's oh, God. I mean, I, I know Why? that people do that and it's cool, but I just, I like that she just let it happen. Just let it do itself. Everything hatched. Nobody was pushed out. You know? Like, I get that stuff is cute for Instagram, but I mean, otherwise, man, why don't you just let them, uh, just let them come out? Yeah. Well, that, that clutch of uh, 13 cow king eggs, you know who Jerry Hartley is, right? 
No. Well, I may have seen his stuff. Or... He's got the locality herbs. He breeds all pure locality rosies and cow kings and bulls and gophers. Cool guy, older guy. He's uh, like 20 minutes east of Reno. He's he's kind of a guy that it's funny because I always hear him talking about his uh, mentors. And he's not my mentor by any means, but I've only recently got his attention as far as knowing who I am and talking to him. But I've been watching him since I was 20. He had those websites, Locality Rosies. It's no longer there. Now he's got Locality Herbs in general or whatever it is. And I, he's my mentor as far as being in the back and watching him. You know, I like I like everything about him. He's a good guy. He's a good father. He's a good snake breeder. And uh, he, uh, I, I messaged him. I said, these snakes are at 63 days. I'm a little worried about them. He's like, I got some there at 63 too. Don't worry about it too much. Because mine always hatch at about 58 59 latest. I wish I would have cut those eggs. Those snakes were so beautiful. All 13 of them fully, completely. But, you know, what if they weren't meant to be and then you sell, you sell them to somebody and they die on them in two months or something? You never know. Yeah. So, Well, I had uh, I had a whole clutch of Het Palmettos. I got half a, or I got four like normal Het Palmettos or like Tesseras and then uh, a Ghost Tessera het palmetto dead in the egg, a ghost het palmetto Ooh. dead in the egg, and a ghost dead in the egg, and like a couple more. And uh, I was just like, fuck me. I mean, there's just. That ghost Tessera would have been nice to keep and breed. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, what would a Tessera palmetto look like? Probably not. I don't. I, I think someone did make one and it didn't really have an effect, which is kind of shitty, but. Because of the way the pattern is. I got a female het palmetto that i've been raising up she's big already she, i've only had her for like eight or ten months and she was a yearling when i got her my buddy jeremy gave her to me and i got some scaleless stuff going i never thought i'd be into the scaleless but there's something about it that i like I got a tesra amel tesra head scaleless and then this the normal okatee scaleless head amel so there could be some cool stuff come out of that but it'll be a couple years away yet so yeah, that's something where I always I always loved the look of the scaleless things, but I never uh, never t- took the plunge. And now I feel like I'm too late, so I'll just let you guys mess with it. I I'm too late. I mean, it's a, it was a baby last year, but I don't really give a shit. I want to do it because I like the animals, and the kids like it, and the customers like to see it too. I mean, I'm not really worried about the value later. People do seem to kind of focus on that, you know something's new and it costs 10 grand and then in four years it's going to cost 500 bucks so what you know in the end produce a few clutches you'll make your money back it should you know what i mean like i don't really care it all comes out you'll make money on this project you might not make money on this one or might make a little but when you put it all in the same pot it's you know you're you're making enough i've never taken money out of the hobby by the way last year we had a pretty good year and I just bought more infrastructure, more racks, more animals, more supplies, more everything. I've never like taken a dollar out for anything. I've never like had a fat wad of cash in my pocket and like this is snake money and you know, went and bought dumb shit. I just like I'm paying for my trailer with profits. Then I bought the trailer for the shows. And I'm still paying off some some of the infrastructure as far as racks go. And I would say I'm definitely not profitable yet, but I'm not behind either. It's paying for itself. So, and that's all I wanted. Right. With all this growth, I mean, is there a time where you want to be full time? 
I mean, we'd have to move and buy some property with a with a with a shop on it, you know. And I I wouldn't want to be full time for like. It's, it's, it's kind of like hypocritical. I don't know. I wouldn't want to like the dogs barking back there. Um, I'd want to be full time for the mere fact to do something I love, opposed to make it about the finances it's gotta be you gotta be sustainable if you do full-time you know right now i'm the only person that works in the house so you know yeah there's a there's there's gonna be a position there's gonna be a position where you have to pay the bills and you're gonna have to figure out how to do that and letting go of live animals can be a tricky you know a tricky way to make that happen yeah absolutely i think the california shows will help me with uh with uh making big enough sales to be able to maybe push to that area but anything local isn't enough you know what i mean like the portland seattle the sales aren't oh no you went quiet must be having a little bit of a connection issue but you've been uh your connection has been fine this whole time but uh, i feel like i don't know anything about like west coast uh herpers or anything i feel like he's throwing out names here that i should know i've uh, heard of brace which has amazing corn snakes and stuff like that and i'm sure people will let me hear uh, what uh, other people i should have known but didn't necessarily know but let me see if i can get shane out of the stream get back into it oh now he's just completely black this is where i wish i had melissa to my left so we could talk about who knows what but now it's just me. Um, the The chat is talking about scrub pythons, which is another thing I don't know anything about. You're alive. I'm back. Nice. I had to said get closer to the router, so here I am, closer to the router. Perfect. Does that mess to show up a lot or what? Nah, <laughs> no, you're good. I was just talking to myself. So anyway, um, yeah, I was just saying. I think. The key to like expansion for me will be these California shows. Um, if it, I just can't uh, make the sales I need to to have to to grow if I stay at the Portland Seattle shows. So, how do you like, or do you plan on getting to a Pomona in San Diego? Or do you plan on going all the way down there? Well, I've done a couple. I just ship the animals, and but I never ship like. A ton. Just You're not filling a table with all thirty. You know, that's a that's like a sixteen hour drive. Sacramento is like an eight and a half hour drive, so that's no big deal. But with my work schedule, I can't go all the way down there and like set a table up. But right. I can fly down there and do it for the weekend if it lands on my long weekend. If it doesn't, I don't have the time off. So that's definitely holding me back. Yeah. I mean, there must be just so many more considerations that, I mean, you got a family, you got all the reptiles. I mean, in order to go full time, that's a, that's a really big deal. Yeah. I mean, that's in the end. And I, I can't do it myself either. Like I said, that's why I think the connections are so important. You know, I have, uh, I have breeding loans with a few different people like Vincent. We got the Wilmas together, Savannah, I've got, tegus i got greg power in texas he's a good ass dude dynamo i got a tegu over there with him just one animal 
but uh jeremy i've got some of his florida kings and he's got some of my corns and uh that kind of stuff man that all matters like that when you all of a sudden you open a, a package in the mail and there's 15 baby womas in it because you, you know the project you own half the project somewhere else you didn't have to do anything for care you financed it maybe but that's those hits like that are those are good hits you know yeah, and I think maybe that's something to to talk about about how you how you do those and how you kind of gain trust with people in order to do that because obviously you can't just send your animals anywhere you got to trust who's uh, that they can get the job done. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like Savannah. I guess uh, I bought some black and white tigas from her. We just became friends, and you either feel it you feel it or you don't. You know, I can bite you in the ass. That's for sure. But as as far as uh, my good buddies, it's worked out well. And you just build relationships, you know. If you get burned, you get burned, I guess. You just move on. I can hang on to it. But um, so far, it's worked out majority of the time. People are pretty. People are the same as me. They want to like progress and they want to build a relationship. They want to, you know, make a friendship out of it and and go from there. So. Yeah, what, I would you say want, you want some uh, corns. You want me to send you some corns? I'm ready. <laughs> what do you want? Yeah, man, I, I need to send you these hog notes because I don't know what the hell to do with them. Apparently, so. <laughs> well, there you go. Send them to me. I'll handle it. All I right. remember you were trying your hogs. I remember that now. At the beginning of the season, you didn't get no eggs from them, huh? Uh, no, no, I've gotten slugs for her from her from the last uh, two years. How and old is it? She is probably like five. Or oh, six, she's maybe. Perfect. Then what? What's the what's the male though? What are they cooling at? So I I dropped them down just like colubrids. I didn't like read a book or anything like you're supposed to. I just dropped them down with the rest of the colubrids, brought them up, but I bring them up a little bit higher. So uh, I tried oh, yeah, like me too. Ninety degrees or so is what the hot spots at. Mine's and, at ninety two. Uh, but I mean, because previously I, I had done like I had done, they were at like 85, man. And same result. But then I'm like, wait, I think hognose are supposed to be warmer than that. Bumped him up to 92. Either way, they acted the same exact at 92 or 90 as they did at uh, at 85. But yeah, both times the male tries his heart out. I didn't see any like confirmed locks. He's all over her, but I haven't seen any confirmed locks, and she lays slugs every year. Hmm. I had, the last uh, few years, but I had my my most important clutch was slugs this year, except for one snake or one egg, and the egg hatched. Then it wasn't a visual toffee, a candy, superconda toffee. It was a, it's a het, but uh, I don't know. I think hognose are different than corns and kings as far as like you pull them out of formation and they immediately start to cycle it seems like i think hognose the introduction with the male is what pushes them to cycle i that's my opinion like if you don't pair a female she's not going to ovulate i that's I, I don't know i could be wrong people are probably this guy doesn't know what he's talking about but what i've seen is hognose you can bring year round and hognose you can also breed without bromation i prefer bromation i think it keeps them healthier but who knows? I mean, it's not a, it's not anything, any Rubik's cube to solve or anything like that. I'm just, my timing's yeah. off or something's messed up. Well, replace that male. If she's laying a whole clutch of slugs, she's ready to rock. If she's laying like one or two, she's done. That's my opinion. I had two, I had Earl 
Morin with Treasure Valley in Idaho. We just got linked up like a year ago. He's Uncle Earl now. He's coming to spend, <laughs> spend the weekend with us this week, and he's going to work the show with me. Um, he gave me three females. They're huge hognose. One is five years old, and the other two were 10 years old. The one that's five years old, gave he couldn't get them to breed the last two years. We got 15 eggs, I think, and the other two just laid one dud apiece. So they were done, you know, that's, that's the end of their deal. So they were rehomed as pets only to two different people that I knew that wanted pet hognose. So, Cause I have heard of like null females being a thing in hognose or females getting burnt out or something like that. But yeah, she lays like six to eight eggs or, you know, she'll lay a clutch. How many grams is she? She's, she's small. I mean, I don't, I, I see a lot of people hit their hognose like, every three days or something i'm certainly not doing that feeding um, you mean yeah 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 sorry oh i, I yeah I, I do like every five to seven but people feed them smaller meals they, they seem to do better on smaller meals i i keep mine hot and i keep them fed up if they lay a clutch i feed them that day because they need like they need that i think it takes a lot out of them but I don't know. I mean, six to eight eggs is pretty damn small clutch. So, yeah, I probably I like to do 100, enough, 175 grams, I think is a, a kind of an important number. Maybe 150. I know with corns, what's the rule? Three, three, and three, three years, three feet, or 300 grams would hit two of those. I think with hog nose, 175 grams is probably where it should be. I have some hog nose that are like 450 grams or huge. And one of them double clutched 26 and 25 eggs this year. And they actually are hatching right now in the incubator. Yeah, so. I probably, I made a dwarf, I think. Uh, my male's tiny. My female is, I mean, she's sizable, but she must be small. But uh, that's one of those things to where kind of what we were alluding to before, like that's not my main project. I unfortunately like haven't focused on it because for whatever reason, like it's just not exactly my thing. So it's like, am I going to move this project along to someone who can actually do it? Or am I going to fuddle around with them half-assed, you know, next year too? I'm not sure. What's the morph? Uh, they're both het snow. Oh, man. I got to uh, sell the male and uh, send me the female. I got an anac uh, albino anaconda male that's het snow, and he'll be ready next year. I actually paired him this year, and he went to work because they breed at six months. Those little teeny little <laughs> teeny males will roll on a 400-gram female. It's kind of wild. Um, I still have one female, my head snow, I'm waiting for eggs on. So I ran her to two males, uh, head snow, uh, anaconda albino head snow and a normal head purple haze, which that snow had already proved out with the same female last year. So either way, I'll get snows or anaconda snows. I'll know which one the, the father is. If she drops, she looks like she should lay here in the next three to five days. And she's the last one to go. So I made my first snow last year based off that pet purple haze project which is hypo snow and lavender so next year i hope to hit the purple haze i i'm not sure that anybody even has that project in the states anymore the guy i got him from was down in the san francisco area and he said he had sent almost everything overseas i got three males and a female i sold one of the males and kept the two two males that i thought looked like they have the genetics even though they're not visual you can you can see those little markers you know what i mean it's kind of wild with hognose, you can kind of see it. 
There's just so what exactly is uh, is coming through? Like, what do you mean exactly? Just like it's it's kind of hard to say. It's like especially with the babies that came out, they don't look anything like normal hog nose, but they also don't have the visual. Like the snow came out and the albino came out, but the albino is like super washed out, really mm. pastel. So I think that's like the hypo showing through. Again, people could listen to this and be like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm well, no, but trying that, to learn. That happens um, as far as like, especially in ball pythons, like the clown shows through. In corns, the caramel shows through. Yeah. And uh, that's exactly. probably just like a very, very small uh, visual. Like like incomplete dominant. Yeah, it's probably not actually recessive. We're probably just uh, don't catch the uh, the first form of it, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I kept three females back from that clutch last year because that albino is like super pastelly. This other female is almost white. It almost looks like a super arctic, but it's it's not. It's like white and brown rather than brown and light brown, and it's just a normal. I don't know if that's the hypo shown through or what it is, or maybe there's some lavender to it. And then the snow is like a purple snow. It's not mm-hmm. like a snow like you've seen. It's like the skin underneath the scales is like a dark pink purple color. So the snake looks a little bit different. So I know that male carries those genetics. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with it. Sweet. How many, uh, how many babies hogs did you have this season? I think about a hundred and just over 150. And I got the last clutch of 25 hatching today. So, Oh, so you're getting clutches in the easily in the twenties. Yeah, I, that one female, that 450-gram female, my buddy told me not to buy her. I was like the dog on for it. Too fat, won't breed. Fucking dropped 26 eggs, only one dud. <laughs> and then the next clutch, oh, 30 days later, 25 eggs, all perfect. That's been a big one for me. That was a big hit this year. So um, I do have uh, one eastern hognose egg. I, I have a very small male. And I have three feet or not Eastern, uh, tricolor hognose, sorry, three females. And the male was just, just kind of young enough, but he still wanted to breed. And he got one fertile egg off that female. So <laughs> I kept the fertile egg and next year I'll have him breeding all three of those females. So, or I'm going to actually probably add another male in there. So I'll have two dot three and those should all go. My friend, my friend, Karen, she's got a, She's down in Texas. Her female's on her sixth clutch, and it's only bred once. Dude, apparently, fertile. Like, apparently, they just breed like over and over and over again, and then the female just like dies. That's what I've heard. <laughs> I've heard too. Yeah, <laughs> like, like they live like two years and then they're done. But I guess that, that must be how they are in the wild. Just go out there and just drop, drop, pass drop, on drop, their drop. genes. But yeah, hers, hers are looking good though. Her female's looking good, and she's on. She just dropped her sixth clutch and. She wants it to stop, but she can't stop it. She hasn't paired it, but the one time. Damn. It retains the sperm and just keeps rolling. So they're cool animals. They're hot right now. Everybody wants them. And that's something, uh, they're more like Central American, right? Or more towards the equator. So you don't, yeah. do you brewmate them like you would you, a normal? You, I think you, I think it's kind of like the way the boas are. You kind of got to just give them a, a little bit of a maybe light cycle with a I think they feel the barometric pressure of the season. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to cool them. I'll probably drop the temps like seven degrees maybe. And they're at, you know, like you, like you said, 90. So I'll probably put them down to like 82 and see what happens. It's, it's going to be a gamble. I mean, I got to learn. The only way to learn is to, to try. 
I've read different things people say, you know. But. Yeah, I don't think I think uh, people are always looking for this recipe, you know, when one person bred it this way. Okay, this is how you breed these things. But in reality, everyone's room is different. Everyone's in a different part of the country. Everyone's feeding differently, doing all these things differently. And uh, it's not all one to one. You kind of got to do it yourself to to figure it out. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was kind of like, I was a little worried about this season thinking I wasn't going to be successful. And then all of a sudden the eggs are just one after another, after another. And I was like, Holy shit. Like I got to start being confident. You know what I mean? Like two years in a row of, of every female that I bred every, except for those boas laid eggs, every single female. <laughs> That's good, man. <laughs> and we're talking, you know, uh, like I said, was it 27 clutches of snakes and, couple clutches of lizards like you know there was a couple clutches where the floridas i had like two exanthic females that they dropped seven eggs a piece and only two and one were fertile and then i had the eastern with one good egg and then i had the the anaconda toffee female drop one good egg everything else was a hundred percent fertility so so anyway i mean it is what it is yeah, that's one of those things where like you kind of listen to all these people and they make it seem so hard to breed snakes. And here you were, you're like your first season, the big season with all these different species and you nailed it, man. Yeah, I got lucky. Like those Kunishir rats, I, I actually, a friend of mine is a police officer in Portland. He's a big reptile breeder, but he's kind of underground, doesn't, not very like, not on social media and stuff and does a lot of carpets and that kind of stuff and anatoresia or whatever. And, uh, uh, he had the Kunish year and he's like, Hey, I want to get rid of these. And it was in April. He said, they need one more year. And I said, okay, I'll buy them. Cause he's a great guy, clean animals, does everything right. And, uh, I went to the show. We, we were both in the show and he walked over with him. I looked at him thinking, bullshit, one more year. I took him home, paired him up. They locked up the that, that night. And a couple of weeks later, I had a huge clutch on the ground, I sent him pictures and I said, Hey, I don't want you, I don't want you to think I'm rubbing it in. I'm just excited. I said, if you want me to kick you some babies, I'll, I'll give you a pair. You know what I mean? Like that's how I, how I am. You know, if somebody sells, sells me an animal that's ready to rock and it's been well cared for and I turn and burn and, and get a good clutch on the ground, I'll throw babies back to them. Even if it was a cash deal and they're out of it, I'll just send them babies. In. What the hell? Why not? You know, give them a little bit. And I think that that's a relationship that I seek to have with like anyone that I sell a snake to or vice versa. It's like, uh, like I have a buddy who like, I'd sent me the, the Eastern black King snakes this year and they just bred. He sent me them like right before breeding. I basically did the same thing like you did, man. I'd like paired them up immediately and I was successful. And then it's like, you know, Hey Mike, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you up sometime with some animals because you know, you gave me a good, 1.2 of animals that actually went the first year you know who else is gonna do that man i feel like i screwed up our show i had to come up to the bedroom to get closer <laughs> to the router now i'm holding my uh charging pad to the back of my phone <laughs> <laughs> now nah, most of most people listen to the audio so they don't even know what you're doing out there oh okay i like when you put it on facebook i like watching it like that when you can see the people and i thought about doing it in the reptile room but I don't know. I, I knew you didn't sit in the reptile room when you did it. So I thought I'll just oh. make it more about the conversation than what's going on behind you. Yeah. There, I mean, there's definitely reptiles in here. 
And it's definitely reptile room temperature because I need to turn the AC off and it's 81 <laughs> degrees in here right now. But Yeah. I don't have anywhere to sit or even put up the phone. That, that room's full of racks for sure. And it'd be hotter than hell, dude. I'm a big dude. I get hot quick. That room sits at 82. I really don't need an incubator. That room's at 82 for like four months out of the year. I'm actually going to try to cool everything in that room. Mm. I'm going to move the boas out. And as far as the clubbers go, I'm going to, I bought a, a system that goes in the window that draws air in and draw airs out. So like you can't smell reptiles no matter what in our house. Like that was the only way it was going to work for my wife. And of course, when you go in the room, it smells like reptiles, but I'm going to put a, a seal at the bottom of the door and pull air in from the outside and see if I can get it at like 55 instead of having to put everything in individual tubs and move it to the garage. That might screw up next year. We'll see. I might chicken out, <laughs> I might chicken out and cancel. But You're know, like, everything went great this year. Let's switch it up a little bit. Let's see what we <laughs> yeah. can do. <laughs> Dumbass. Dumbass. But we all do that. We all change everything every year. Yeah. Then we're like, why did this work? Yeah. But do you are you running ambient temps or are you running heat tape? I use well, I use Chris's racks for all the holdbacks and the babies, and then I use the Vision thirty fives and the uh, I don't know what they call them like forty twos with the heat cable, and the dolls actually have the temperature. I would say the hognoser. they're at like ninety two, and all the colubrids are like eighty six, like all the kings and corns and stuff i don't have them with super high temps when you turn the temps up and it's a hot day they, they they're in the front of the tub mm -hmm. uh, they really don't like to heat that much you gotta think these snakes aren't out like sun basking they, they come out at night and sit on the warm road i really don't think they want it too much above mid 80s but who knows it worked out this year this was i definitely played with the temps this year so yeah and that's something to wear um especially where you are, you know, you got to control your winter probably lasts a little bit longer than your brumation. I'm sure in March, it's still, uh, still pretty chilly up there. Yeah. The, the garage gets to about 62, 63 in March. And during the winter it drops the lowest I saw it. I have a thermometer that goes on my cell phone so I can pay attention to it. Uh, the lowest I saw it drop to was 52 and a half degrees. So and that was fine. You know, I'm not worried about that at all. Yeah. What's your typical uh, bringing them down to brumation? What do you typically do to prepare for that? I don't feed them for three weeks and I take them down there. That's all. I don't I don't drop temps slowly. And well, I, I, I turn the, the heat off. That's a lie. I don't feed them for three weeks. I turn the heat off in the room, in the racks they're in. And then three weeks, three weeks, three days later, I'll take them to the garage. So they do have like a three day window where they kind of have a little bit of an ambient temp. And by that time that room's down to the low seventies anyway, just off the weather, you know? Right. That's on the South side of the house. So the sun hits that room and helps heat it too. So do you end up taking them? Do you take the whole racks or do you bin them up like individually I, or deli cup them or? I bend them up, but I'm actually giving all those bins to Jeremy next month at Sacramento because he likes those hefty tubs. And they take up way too much space for the amount of animals I have. I'm either going to take those vision racks down there or just order smaller tubs because they do not move on their information. They literally sit under that little hide, come out for water, and I check them every 10 days. I seem to add water probably once a month 
and that's pretty much it. I did have a hog nose shed in Bermation last year, and I lost him to that, and I was pretty disappointed. I thought it was a little strange. He started shedding in, like, January, and uh, he never got the shed past his eyes. And I really thought maybe I should just bring him in the house and warm him up. And I thought, no, no, he can do it. He'll be fine. And he, he passed away. Damn. I thought it was really weird to go into a shed, though, after he'd been in Bermation for three months. I mean, I've had corns do it, but I've uh, I've never had ill effects like that. Yeah, I think it was just too much. It was asking it just too much at that temp. You know what I mean? Yeah, just and hogs have a completely different metabolism than a corn would. So, <sighs> yeah, they well, I, they, I, you know, I what do you think? Corns are faster or slower? I think hogs are faster. Yeah, yeah, hogs are faster. Yeah, it's like, and it comes out like uh, not solid. It's the what most disgusting shit. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I've been feeding chicks to a few corns here and there because I, I had a bunch of chicks for my adult tegus, and that makes the nastiest turds. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm almost done with them. I don't want to waste them, though. So, anyway. Well, yeah, what do you say? Like, uh... how, how much longer we got? My phone's just about dead. Yeah, we did it, man. We did two, two hours. hours. Is that is that a long one? Seems like no, no, one. that's that, that's normal. <laughs> oh, it's normal. It is a long one to most, but yeah, that's normal. I was fun. It was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. Not that I didn't think it was going to be fun, but you know, I just didn't know how you carry on for two hours. But it, we just hit it. There it is. Yeah, you'd be surprised how much you can talk about snakes, man. And I don't talk about snakes because there's nobody to talk to about it. <laughs> you know, so. Which is it's why nice it gets to, so easy, yeah, to yeah, flow through two hours. to talk about. So. Yeah. so if anyone wants to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Instagram's the best, at Evergreen State Reptiles. So, And please follow and check it out. And follow if you like it. And if you don't, that's cool too. No big deal. Mostly colubrids, a few boas. Uh, we try to do good pictures and do things a little different to keep people interested and try to interact with everybody that messages us. And... and uh, I don't know. You know, I think Instagram's where it's at personally. I, I'm really not a fan of Facebook, but we got, we're there on Facebook too. So I agree, man. Instagram is where it's at and you got a variety of animals up there. So everyone go check out his Instagram page. As far as we go, Melissa's not here. So I'll speak for her. PortCityPythons.com, PortCityPythons on Instagram, PortCityPythons on Facebook, all that good stuff. We have animals available as well as things like sphagnum moss as well as springtails. So check all that stuff out. Other than that, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Thank you, Shane, for joining us. For and, sure. Uh, Thanks for having me back. Or not back, but inviting me back after it didn't work out the first time. Yeah, for sure. Not a problem. I'm glad you I'm glad you came on. And uh we had a colubrid episode finally, even though, you know, we probably talked half colubrid sometimes, but oh, that's all right. That was good. 